You're listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you'd like to know more about Hope Central or any of our ministries, please visit hopecentral.org.au. What exactly is it? It's seconds, minutes, hours. It's tiny increments that just pass us by moment by moment. We all want more, more time to travel, to have adventures, to focus on our health by getting fit or by eating healthier, to learn to cook or to sing or to draw, or just to be creative. If this year is about the life you ordered, then you need to take seriously how you use your time. Today, as you have just realised, I'm talking about time. And one of the things I was concerned about with Tom's message was, did she just debunk my whole message? But she did okay. So... Here we go. I'm using technology, but I have non-technology backup. So, um, you know, the obvious route would be for me to stand here and talk about how you should manage your time, give you lots of strategies. And I, I actually feel quite qualified to talk about that. A lot of you don't probably know what I do for a job, really, um, but my job is actually really quite large, and I, and I manage a lot of people, and I have a lot of time pressure. So just to make sure you know I'm qualified to talk on this subject, I've received a quote, I got some feedback from my very dear friend, Jane Ann, who's in the front, we've been friends for 30 years, and she works in the corporate world, so I feel like she can say this. Now she said, all right, I have known Jodie for more than two decades, and in that time I have found her to be a highly organised and professional individual, thank you Jane Ann. Her role often requires her to respond to change and make other arrangements. Her time management skills and ability to plan ahead are exemplary. All right, are you ready for me? Ready for me? Maybe? Good. So reality is I actually am really good at managing my time and there's probably things I could teach you today that would help you have better time management skills. But I think the weird thing about time management is most people actually think they're good at managing their time. It's just not working right now because, you know, it might be because of the kids or it might be because you're not well or it might be some complication. But the reality is it never gets easier to manage your time. The older you get, the more complexities you get, the more layers you get. So time isn't actually an easy thing to manage at all. So everyone thinks their life would be easier if they just had more time, right? So what are you doing with your time? This is just one I grabbed off the internet. I actually looked at it. Sorry, I'll come over here. I actually looked at it and went, right off the bat, I sleep way more than that. Is anyone else here a sleeper? I'm like an eight hours a night person. Who are, the, who are those people that get under five? Because that's... Yeah, but yeah, I know. Eight hours a night, I'm minimal. Like, I'm, I'm a big sleeper, so that's not me. And six hours bathing, that seems like a long time. 
But the point is, what are we spending our time on, right? We've all know stories about women from the 1960s, you know, all they did was cooked in these tiny, tiny kitchens. We all have massive kitchens and no one seems to cook, but they all have these tiny, tiny kitchens, don't they? And they whipped out all these meals and they did lots and lots of stuff. But, but we all know people that in our life, you know, it might be a grandparent and they'll talk about their job was digging holes by hand or, you know, when they didn't have refrigerators, so you had to get the ice from the ice man and anyone here for that? I feel like there's a few at the back might be. Ice for the ice man and that's how you kept your food cold and you had to get food every day. And we know lots and lots of stories about when we lived in an era where we didn't have time-saving devices, but we certainly do have them now, don't we? I read a study about mums in the 1960s, and they were talking about physical activity. And physical activity, they mention is cooking, cleaning, playing with your children, and exercising. And in comparison to mums today, they say that mums spend 14 hours less a week on physical activity. That's a lot, isn't it? That's because we're in a car. Are we not? Who's had kids driving? I mean, seriously, driving around until they get their licenses, aren't you? But it does show that things have changed. We do have time-saving devices, definitely. Um, you know, we have automatic washing machines and dishwashers and cars. And my brother and my dear friend over here also has one of these vacuums that run all day. My brother even washes its, his floors all day? I don't know. Jeff not had a really bad story about his, an accident with his dog getting in some poopy and <laughs> spreading the house. I heard about that, you know, because those things are, yeah, but we do, we do have access to a lot of time-saving devices, don't we? We really do. Focus back here, not on the poop story. All right, that's my last poop story for today. But we really do have a lot of time-saving devices, but the, real, the reality is, wanting more time is not a new thing. I'm going to talk to you about a story from John 4, and it's actually a story you probably know well. I know it pretty well. And it says this. Where am I going to read it from? I don't want to be in your way. How about I come over here? Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Interesting. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. In other words, he was by himself. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? Because Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up 
to eternal life. The woman said, Sir, give me this water so that I don't have to get I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her to go call her husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you I don't know what the tone was like. I'm doing my best, but I'm trying. You're right when you say you have no husband. Work out of that tone. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see you are a prophet. (laughs) Awkward. Our ancestors on this mountain uh, worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation comes from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks." God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus looked at her and declared, I, the one who am speaking, am he. It's me. Awesome. Big passage, isn't it? And it is a story we're familiar with. But I want to really, I'm a, I'm a, I'm not a a book person, I'm really a visual person. So what I want us to do is have a think about what that scene looked like. Um, It was really, really prejudiced time in history. That is what a well looked like in that era. It, It was dry, hot, dusty, no shade... Um, We know in the story that Jesus was an upper-class person because of his birth, and this woman was lower-class because of her birth, and also she was shamed in her community, so she got water when no one else was there. See, drawing water was clearly a daily chore, if not twice a day. You actually had to draw water from that to survive, Have a think about something you do every day and imagine that being grabbing that big urn and carrying it to that in the heat because you don't want to be seen by people, filling it up manually, carrying it back just so you can have a drink. What a chore, a real chore, hey? So she needed to avoid people because of her no husband, 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 husband situation. Um, and she, she thought she could do this on the quiet, didn't she? And Jesus is sitting there waiting and, and he speaks to her. And she's like, why are you speaking to me? Because, you know. And then he not only speaks to her, he makes a request of her. He doesn't um, demand. He could have said just get it for me. But he doesn't demand. He actually comes to her as she is, which I think is just lovely. He just simply asks. Jesus explains to her 
that he can give her living water that will flow through her and she is interested because she thinks it will save her some time. I don't have to do this twice a day if I get something from you. But it's not like that, is it? She's looking for a solution, but she actually doesn't understand her problem. Is that not us at times? She's looking to save time, and Jesus is looking to find her absolute freedom for her life. You see, how we use our time is connected to who we are. See, if our hearts aren't changed, we will simply waste our time, our whole life. If you had more time, what would you use your time for, is my question for us today. 1 Timothy 5.11, I'm just going to read verse 13, but it's, it's an interesting passage, it's for women, okay, and it's a scripture particularly for women that were young and divorced, and it, it's concerned about women, young women, not getting on with their lives and their behaviours around their being lazy, and it says, verse 13, they get into the habit of being idle and going from house to house. And not only are they idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things they ought not to. Sounds like Facebook, but okay. <laughs> See, the woman at the well, she, she had to occupy herself, probably keep away from people like this, just to, to survive And Jesus offers her what she thinks is an alternative, but we all know we actually can't save time. We all have the same amount of hours. All we can do is choose how we use our time. So with her encounter with Jesus, did she still have to get water? She certainly did. Wouldn't have taken long before that living water still meant you needed to do daily chores. That's got to bring us comfort because the reality is we've still got to do stuff. But don't let it take over, hey? Unless you use your time well, you will not use your life well. Unless you use your time well, you will not use your life well. I'm doing devotions about that all week. That's my my verse that we're recording. See, we've lost four people this year, four dear people, um, attended four funerals. And, you know, it's interesting when you go to a funeral, isn't it? You reflect on the life they lived. You reflect on how they spent their time. How many funerals do you go to that you hear stories of how they were family people, how they had great, I mean, the ones I've been to, beautiful, had great faith, how they, you know, served their community. Nobody's really bragging about their bottom line. No one's going, you know what, they were so fiscally responsible and they've got so much money they're going to, their kids are going to blow, so much money that they're just going to, they're not saying that at funerals, are we? Because the reality is... What we need to do is spend our time on the right things. Are you on the wrong treadmill today? Do you need to get off? 
I'm not saying don't exercise. I'm definitely not saying that. You're not hearing that from me. Okay. You know, we really won't have regrets about how much money we made. We'll have a regrets around people and how we should have done more for others, I reckon. I reckon. See, the woman at the well didn't get what was missing in her life. And I suspect sometimes we don't either. I really wonder about that. See, when you get to heaven, you're going to have a very clear mindset about what you wasted your time on. Having a heaven mindset of the beauty of God changes what we do on earth. Have a think about that. When you, when you get a glimpse of what heaven is like and the beauty of God, it changes what you do today. The, the worst thing you can do is just do what you did before you got saved and nothing else. If you're not changing your priorities because you're a Christian, you've got some thinking to do. I'm going to read just a really short passage. The last one was my only long passage, I promise. But Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. Let me read this to you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings, think that through, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The earth is full of his glory, the earth. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, Isaiah cried, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Wow. That's a wow, isn't it? Let's just use our imagination to have a think about this. All right. Did I read that bit? Then one of the seraphim flew to me, sorry, with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with his tongs from the altar. With it, he touched the mouth, his mouth, and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for forever. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here I am send me. So we see this scene, let's have a think about that, this scene of Isaiah looking into the heavens, getting a glimpse of heaven, and he sees these seraphims, which are, I'm going with their tough angels. It's the best I can do. So I come up with a picture. How do you feel? I'm just thinking tough angels are probably not wearing white wings. It's my own theology. I'm not saying it's perfect. But what I'm saying is these guys are massive and Jesus is on the throne and his train is everywhere. It's just flowing. There's a lot of wind in heaven, I reckon. There's a lot of wind. It's flowing. He's flowing, hair flowing. 
wind. And he's got these, I'll tell you why there's wind in a second. And he's got these seraphim, more than one, more than one. I'm going to say, let's say four. And he's on the throne and these seraphim are huge and they're flapping two wings like this, right? They've got two covering their face because God is so holy, they can't even look at him. They're like this, right? So they're flapping. So they're suspended above him. And they're covering their feet as well. I don't know if that's a foot thing. I'm not sure. But they're, they're going like this and they're all going like this and you could feel the air and they're calling out, holy, holy. And whatever doors are in heaven, the doorposts are shaking because these dudes are so loud. Could you imagine seeing that? So weird. Like this. This is what we're going to see one day. I'm going with black angels. I think that's cool. Mixed race, I'm happy, whatever. So like this, right? Not everything's white in heaven. We know that, right? Come on. All right, we're going like this, like this. And he's watching. And one of them, this guy, this guy, flies down, gets a coal, because Isaiah goes, oh my gosh, I cannot even be seeing this. I'm not holy. Touches him on the lips. His sins are atoned for. He's cleansed. And he goes, what can I do? What can I do for you, God? What, what, what am I going to do differently in my life? See, that vision changed his perspective. He was willing to do anything for God. Wow. See, one day we are going to go to heaven and we are going to be going holy, holy, is the Lord God and we are going to see those angels and we are going to be part of that and we will worship him with everybody else. See, a time when you have a genuine encounter with God changes what you do now. And that can happen here, that can happen in your home. But a genuine encounter with God changes how you spend your time. What got me here won't get me there. Okay, so I, I have good time management skills as I qualified before. <clears throat> but what's happened in my job, one, COVID, uh, two, uh, my job is I oversee all the campuses and all the teams and what we put on socials, online, there's a lot of layers to my job. Um, and my job was getting more and more complex and more and more pressure and I was making more and more decisions. And I realised that actually my, my skills that got me here got me stuck. There comes to a point in what you can learn that it's just not enough. And I realised I couldn't time manage this better to make, make myself feel okay I was so stressed at times, my heart ached. Anyone else feel like that at times? You know, you're just like, oh my gosh, I just don't have it in me. I knew that something was, was needing to change. So I learned something from this guy. Unassuming, dorky looking guy, no disrespect, Pastor Chris, but the guy, I was going to say the check shirt, huh? <laughs> 
the guy with the glasses will go with, shall we? Welcome to America, everybody. And the guy with the check shirt uh, with the glasses, his name's Pastor Chris Hodges, and we went to his church in America a few years ago, Joe and I, and he runs this great conference, but he runs a church of 38,000 people and a massive Bible college. They've got campuses all over America, and he is probably one of the most humble, down-to-earth guys, married, been married forever, um, five kids, grandkids, lovely, lovely. And I learned this from him. And I, if I can teach you anything today, I actually think that I've been under attack this week. I just say I've had some, you know, weird thoughts coming and all that stuff, which can happen. I don't want to give devil too much credit, but I've, you know, you can feel it sometimes, right? So I think this is what, what Satan doesn't want you to learn today. Okay, so if you could listen really carefully, I think this is important. It's a really simple thing. So this is what my day looks like, Tonya Downing, Tonya Brooke Downing. I get up in the morning, applause, no, just kidding, just kidding, (laughs) most days, get up in the morning and I get up at a set time, I'm not asleep and I make sure I get up in the morning at the set time and I get my gear on and go straight to the treadmill and I exercise. That's what I do for my first chunk of time. Then my next chunk of time, which is almost the same, I get myself ready, dressed, pack lunch. This takes a while. (laughs) Takes as long as the other bit. (sighs) Over 50, it's not easy. All right, so do that. So I get myself really ready for the day. I still have not picked up my phone. My phone lives in my butler's pantry. Uh, My phone lives in my butler's pantry and I still have not touched my phone. Then I go into my, which I've shown you before, my prayer area, which is my walk-in wardrobe. I like it because it's, you know, it's compressed. And I sit there and I pray. I worship God. I've got a little script I read over to get my thinking into the day. You know, I've got a little thing I've written about, you know, Um, honour him, love him, you know, whatever works for you. And I I do that and I sit there, I I don't have any technology, I have one of these, it doesn't do anything else, it's just a watch. And And I time it and I sit and I pray and I talk to God and I read the Bible and worship him, don't really ask him for anything, I don't think that at this point that's what I need to do. And I sit there and I say, God, this is what I want you to take away today. What are my three priorities that I need to focus on today? I've already exercised, I've done my best with this, and I've already, and I've already prayed. So we're pretty covered, right? What are my three priorities? Okay, and he always tells me. Clear as day. The way God speaks to me, it's words. A few might be pictures or something else, I don't know, but... He always tells me, and I have post-it notes next to my Bible, and I write those three things down, and that post-it note goes on top of my phone, after I've opened my phone and looked at the 50,000 COVID messages, post-it note goes on my phone, and when I come to work, that post-it note goes next to my desk, and I make sure those three things get done, and they are my absolute highest priority. They're really, I'm not saying crisis don't come, but I have to tick off those three things because they're really, really important to me. There's something about working out what God's priorities are for your day that are really important for you. 
of course you have to go for, to work. He's not going to say, Steve, you know, stay home for the day, probably. There's puppies to do stuff with, surely, Steve. My, my challenge for you is, do you think you can outplan God or time manage better than God? You can't. So why aren't you asking what you should do every day? Seriously, I just got this. I'm not judging anyone because I've just worked this out myself, but anyway. Now see, Jesus sets my three priorities and I set my day on God's agenda. Jesus could set your three priorities and set your day on God's agenda. I know you think you need to have control, but you're on the wrong treadmill. I have more peace. Do I not? Not bad. (laughs) Ash cops it more than anybody. And I actually get more done. Um, I get more meaningful work done. I feel more settled because I know God's steering my time. Just do want to make a quick comment. If you feel like your life is out of control, this, I absolutely recommend this book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by um, John Mark Comer. Such a great book. You can audible it. I listen to it. It's only, only a few hours. But it's about stripping stuff out of your life. He, he is quite scathing on technology and wearing the same clothes all week. I'm not doing that, clearly. But, he's, but he has a lot to say about managing your time. Even what your iPhone cover should look like. You, you, you know, watch face on your iPhone because there's a lot of clutter that we're looking at all the time. So it's really a great book if you want some skills about how to manage your daily grind because we all got one. Make it intentional. Psalm 90 verse 12 says, Number our days so we get a heart of wisdom. God numbers our days and gives us a heart of wisdom. See, with Jesus, I can use my time better. Because he moves my attention off my past and onto my future. Romans 8, 38, 39 says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, and that, that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Did you see what's missing? It's your past. It's not there. Because God's forgotten your past. You haven't got one. You haven't got one according to him. So if we can actually acknowledge what we get wrong, give it to God, he's forgotten it. How much more of your time and attention is used up because of your past? Because of what you focus on or what you excuse or what you blame we're very past focused. God isn't. How much more of your emotional energy are you using on back there? We need to be working in the here. See, the devil would love you to remember the failure you were back there. But that's, that guilt and shame cycle has you stuck in a, a well that isn't from God. Ephesians 
5, 16 to 17, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil, evil, whoops, make the best use of your time because the days are evil, use them well, we need to keep our standards high, act wisely and do good, Do good wherever you can because success can be forgotten by one or two small discretions and it's all over the media and everything's blown up. Maybe not for you, but it'll be all over Facebook, all over your family, all over. You've got to keep your life on track. I went on the retreat, which took quite a bit of time to organise, everyone says they're too busy, but you know, if you can make it happen, it's really, really great. And during the time, I actually worked on this passage of scripture, because that's one of the exercises you do. And I came up with the question, whose story is the woman at the well? Whose story is that? I don't know, that just seemed interesting to me. So I actually got the opportunity to sit with a Jesuit spiritual director didn't know what that was, but I'll, I'll have one. And she was this lady called Deirdre, and she sat with me. And I said, I'm, Deirdre, I'm puzzled about this. I've been looking at this passage, and I don't understand some things about it. And, the, the, you know, there were some other questions in there. And she said to me, Jodie, that story, it's your story. And it dawned on me. Jesus met me when I wasn't looking. I wasn't looking for a saviour. I I don't even know if I was looking for anything. I didn't really know I was lost. I was just getting by. See, for many of us, God comes to us when we're not seeking him. Not everyone comes because they've got a life torn apart. Some people just intersect Jesus. And this woman, she was just trying not to be embarrassed by the locals. Romans 10.20, and Isaiah boldly says... I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. See, knowing God is actually a gift of grace. It's not something you do. So if you haven't met God yet, that's actually okay. He's waiting for you. It's a gift that you can receive. You just need to ask. We're not saved by works. We're saved by grace and just accepting Christ into your heart is all it takes. You can't earn it. You see, the life you ordered is outworked by every minute, hour, day, and year on this earth. I have so many conversations with people who aren't taking responsibility for their time. They are obsessed with something that God's not obsessed with. Have a heaven mindset. Whether you're searching for God or not, He's here to meet with you. So do you know the story of the woman at the well is actually your story too? God waiting for us in a hot, dry place where we need living water, we need refreshment, we need fulfillment, we need life. As I spent time at the retreat, it was fantastic. I'd never actually done anything like that. One of the exercises I did was I had to think about who is Jesus to me? Who is Jesus? 
And I came up with a list of things that Jesus was to me and I wrote it in the front of my notebook and I read it every day and it says, to me, and your case might be different, to me, Jesus is my Lord and Saviour, my companion, my champion, my healer, my provider and my friend. That is a relationship that's worth a heck of a lot of my time. Heck of a lot of my time. Who is Jesus to you today? I wrote a bit of a list adding on to mine. He could be your Lord and Saviour, your companion, your champion, your healer, provider, friend, judge and juror, killjoy, boss, or maybe a stranger. I don't know. I don't know what, where your heart is. See, Jesus wants to give you more than you, get, than you have now. He is the source of life that flows through you and he wants to give you more. But it's going to take your time. It takes time. So at this time, I'm going to get the band to come up. Thank you. At this time, what do you need from Jesus today? What name do you need to identify with? For me this morning during my prayer time, I was struggling with some hurts. So for me this morning, I needed Jesus to heal my heart. Because sometimes life just gets in the way and you feel hurt, don't you? You feel wounded. He, he is here to be more than you need. He's absolutely here. You see, unless you use your time well, you won't use your life well. The life you ordered needs you to get this right. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are aware that you are with us. You are here. And we come to you with hearts open and we ask for peace in our hearts, Lord God. We ask for healing. We ask for hope. We ask for fullness, Lord. Lord, speak to us in this time and, and reveal to us what we do need from you as we may be unsure. Lord, we give you thanks in this moment for all that you've done. You are our champion, our saviour, our healer and friend. Thank you, Jesus, for being with us right now. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Hope Central in Adelaide, South Australia. If you want more information about who we are, visit us at hopecentral.org.au or join us for Sunday worship at any of our three campuses.